You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Mike Pingleton here, and it's great to be talking with you again. Right away, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for your support and enthusiasm for the show. And I was blown away by all the comments and personal messages I received. And thanks for the unasked for promotion, too. That was just amazing. You folks are the best, and I am incredibly grateful to all of you. I'm also more than just a little relieved when something is just an idea rattling around in your head bone. It's difficult to know how it will be received when you finally put it out there. So validation feels pretty good. Okay, just a few show notes. Hopefully by the time this episode is released, Apple Podcasts will have approved my little show and it will be visible and searchable from their products. And if you can't find the show via your favorite podcast provider, please let me know and I will check into it. And I will attempt to release a new episode every Sunday, and I'm currently researching the details that will allow me to reschedule releases ahead of time for those times when I'm in the field somewhere on a Sunday. Also, several people noted the absence of any banjo music in the show. Now, I do listen to other types of music, but there have been situations in the field where banjo music would have been appropriate. The short answer for this is that when searching through royalty-free music, I couldn't find any banjo tunes that I liked and that might fit the show. And there aren't really many that many available anyway. And I'm very picky about banjo tunes. That's a joke, son. But I do like a funky bass line, and Kevin McLeod's Funkorama and Reggae B-Roll sound pretty good to me. And I got two thumbs up for them from audiophile Daniel Dye, and now that's really something. All right, here we go with episode three, the episode of the Bushmaster. If you're into old books written by long-dead herpetologists, you might recognize that phrase, which I stole from Raymond Dittmar's. Episode of the Bushmaster was a chapter in one of Dittmar's books, which I first read in junior high school back in the early 70s. The 1970s, not the 1870s. Now that chapter was my introduction to the Bushmaster, which at the time seemed like a crazy name for a giant pit viper. And in just a little bit, we'll hear my interview with Matt Cage, which was recorded in the Peruvian Amazon, where we talk about our experiences with South American Bushmasters. For those of you not up to speed on Bushmasters, we're talking about the largest viper in the world and the largest venomous snake in the Western Hemisphere, and therefore one crazy cool serpent. Its counterpart in the Eastern Hemisphere in terms of size and legend is the King Cobra. Lachesis is the Bushmaster genus, and there are currently four recognized species. And altogether, they range from southern portions of Nicaragua down into much of the Amazon Basin in northern South America. Now, my own experiences have been with the South American Bushmaster, Lachesis muta, the largest of the four species. And where I go in northeastern Peru, the common name for the Bushmaster there is Shushupe, which I like very much. Shushupe. The generic name Lachesis comes from Greek mythology. Lachesis is one of the three fates, and that's fates with a capital F, 
and is the fate who determines the length of one's life thread. Now that seems like an appropriate name assignment to me, given the size of an adult Bushmaster, which is a massive snake with large venom glands, a potent venom, and large fangs that can deliver a lethal bite. Now, all venomous snakes come with some degree of tall tales and exaggeration, and while Lachesis seem to be creatures out of myth and legend, no enhancement is necessary. These are badass snakes, and they are no joke. The maximum length for Lachesis muta is around 11 or 12 feet, and the largest I have encountered personally were a little over 7 feet. I can't even comprehend a 10-foot-plus shushupe. Uh, Seven-footers are a lot to handle, as it is. One notable fact about Bushmasters is that they lay eggs, which is rather unique for pit vipers in the Western Hemisphere, which typically give birth to live young. This includes rattlesnakes, copperheads, cottonmouths, and so forth. Also interesting is that the Bushmaster's dorsal scales are raised and keeled, kind of like a Gila monster, only pointier. And the raised scales allow you to get a firm, no-slip grip on a shushupi tail with your hand. However, their body is triangular in cross-section, and that body shape makes them difficult to grasp with a pair of snake tongs. Hooks work much better, and the hook and tail technique can be effective for short-term handling of Bushmasters. And I guess I should add a disclaimer here. Uh, I am in no way advocating or encouraging this or any other technique for handling venomous snakes. I myself only handle Bushmasters when there is a good reason for me to do so. And as I said elsewhere, if you have no good reason to handle hots, then the only reasons left are bad ones. Like rattlesnakes, for example, Bushmasters are pit vipers. They possess a pair of heat-sensitive organs housed in pits, air quotes around pits, which are located between the nostrils and the eyes. These heat sensors are tied into the visual system of the brain, and they allow the serpent to see warm-blooded prey, even in the dark of night, which is pretty cool. And nighttime is the right time for shushupes. They are ambush predators, uh, emerging from their daytime hiding places after dark, uh, seeking out suitable places in the forest to wait for warm-blooded mammals. And so they wait alongside a log or an animal trail or even a human-made trail, which are also used by other animals like rats and opossums and other tasty woodland creatures. All of this and more adds to the mystique and coolness surrounding the Bushmaster, and it puts them at the top of the bucket list for many field herpers, including me. Now let's get to our guest. It's altogether appropriate that Matt Cage is our guest on the show today, since he and I found our first Bushmaster together back in 2013. Matt lives in the Denver area, and he is an extraordinary field herper and photographer, a good friend of mine, and a heck of a guy to boot. Our conversation was recorded back in January of 2020 at our Santa Cruz field station in the rainforest near Iquitos, Peru. Now, as we go along, some of you may be thinking, is this just a commercial for the Ecotour outfit that Matt and Mike guide for? Well, it might sound like it, but it really isn't my intention. Our tours fill up quickly with no real effort, and we have very little need to advertise, and you should know that Matt and I don't get paid for our efforts, and the Ecotour company, MT Amazon Expeditions, is a nonprofit organization that benefits the local folks. Matt and I just like herping in Amazonia, three degrees south of the equator, and we like to talk about it. A lot. 
So I'm not trying to talk you into anything, even though I know that you secretly want to come down to the Amazon. You know you want to. Here is the episode of The Bushmaster. Hello there. We're talking today with Matt Cage. We're in the middle of the Peruvian Amazon. We're sitting in my hut in the mobile recording studio. And we're going to have a conversation today with Matt about Bushmasters. Good morning, Mike. It's great to be here. It's great to have you, Matt. Well, thank um, you. How many times have we talked about Bushmasters? Uh, over and over. I can't even count. I mean, who knows? Who knows? So it's, it's about time that we get it down and share with our listening audience. So I love it. I guess we'll start... Uh, Back towards the beginning, you've been coming down to the Peruvian Amazon for how many years now? Since the late 90s. Uh, my first trip was in 98, 1998. Wow. And so I've been coming down 22 years. Over those years, this is my 17th trip down here. 17. That's yeah. pretty amazing. So, yeah. So yeah. a big chunk of your life has been spent either down here or coming down here or going home from here. Correct. I love it here. Uh, you know, whenever I come in, I get excited when, uh, you know, you're landing in Iquitos. It's just exciting. I get all excited. So. <laughs> when you cross the AC line, right? Exactly. Tell, yeah, tell, exactly. tell our audience what the AC line is. So you, well, the number one, there is a couple hotels in Iquitos that have, have air conditioning, but it ruins your camera. So it's best to just stay, you know, as soon as you land to, to not get any air conditioning and there really there's no air conditioning from the time you land in Iquitos until you cross the line at security going home and it's just like ah put on a clean shirt and good to go yeah and uh you enjoy being cool then and you got all your cameras done for the trip the trip is over and you've Cross the AC line back yeah. into civilization. Yep, and all you bring back is some great photos and some mosquito bites. <laughs> yeah, yes, so much mosquito bites. Okay, so um, bringing it forward a little bit uh, to uh, a trip you and I were on together in 2013. This was uh, my second trip down here, and I came down as a paying client and uh, on the tour. You and I went out on a long trail hike at night. I think we were we made a second hike that night, if I remember right. We did. Yes, Everyone you... else went to bed, and we stuck it out. Yep. And uh, I remember, the, I mean, that was a defining point in my life. So I remember that hike, that exact hike. And uh, I think it was your idea to say, hey, let's go. Let's just go do the loop. And yeah. uh, I was like, oh, sure, let's do it. The conditions were, were very good. And uh, so off we went. We were coming up the trail towards home towards camp everybody's in bed but us and some of our our local guides edwin and emerson had had come up the the trail maybe a half an hour before us yes we had passed them they were going down and we were going up so oh, that's right yeah yeah they were going down and we were going up and, and that's we, important to the story here yeah so they had passed this exact uh, trail that we were on just a few minutes before and actually, while we were with them, we spotted a large chironius up in the trees. Oh, yeah. A tropical, tropical whip snake or yes. large-scaled whip snake. Yeah. yeah. So it was probably 30 feet up, and we couldn't. I mean, it was way beyond what yeah. we could get. It was a big snake, too. It was a big snake. 
Yeah. So that was kind of exciting. And then uh, we continued back towards camp. Yeah. And so uh, I think I stopped to look at a frog. I photographed a osteocephalus uh, planticeps, little bromeliad tree frog. And then uh, we turned away and, and uh, started heading back up the trail. And you saw? We came over a slight crest, and I looked down, and on the left side of the trail is a coiled and in ambush position, large adult Bushmaster, the first one that I'd ever seen in the wild. And um, it was quite exciting. And it saw us before we saw it. It was it was uh, just there, coiled in ambush position, and very alert. Uh, knew everything that was happening around it. Just again, I have that picture in my in my brain. It's it's embedded in there. Yeah, it kind of looked like a like a step pyramid. It was coiled. It was coil on some smaller coil, and then smaller coil, and then two uh, big glowy eyes. Two big red glowy eyes yeah. looking at us, and. Uh, and words were said that I won't say on the mic, but it was one yeah. of those holy shnikes moment. Yes, it was. It, we had, it was like, it was wonderful. It was such a great experience. And I'm, I'm so happy to have experienced that with you. That was, yeah. uh, that was really a bonding moment. It was, it was so. a bonding moment. So, so I'll never forget that. And every time we pass that spot on the trail. I know the exact spot. And in fact, every year, every year I take a picture of that exact spot. So <laughs> I have all these pictures of it. So one of these times I'll, I'll post, cause it's kind of fun cause the trees have gotten all bigger and, yeah. and uh, yeah. so it's kind of fun. It's changed but the, a little bit. The roots look exactly the same though. Right. So, so there you, you and I are there, of course we pull the cameras out and get our safety shots cause we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I took out my camera i said i'm i'm getting this picture before anything happens and we got a couple pictures and uh as we got closer to the snake the snake got very nervous and uh it was panning back and forth uh between mike and i between you and i it was it was it was moving its head back and forth towards us clearly using its its heat uh heat vision if you will Yeah. yeah Yep. So, and we wanted at least one more person there. And I also knew some people that would really be interested in, uh, in getting involved. Uh, John Sullivan. Yeah. And, uh, Marissa. So yeah. we, I came back to camp and got them. Yeah. And, uh, down you left we went. me with the Bushmaster. Yes. So that, that was an interesting, and also we should mention, we didn't really have any, any equipment to, to handle the Bushmaster. Well, it's kind of a funny story. So, uh, I always hike here with, uh, with a clamp or, or a hook. Well, that time somebody else had accidentally grabbed my clamp. So uh, when I went hiking, it was not available. So I don't know where it was, but, uh, it showed back up later, but yeah. I did not have anything with me. No. And I think I had a collapsible, one of those crappy collapsibles. Yeah. Those, and those, uh, totally uh unworthy of uh, yeah. dealing with that situation yeah it's like going up against a master swordsman with a toothpick <laughs> exactly exactly so. so matt who can uh sprint and run and uh move quickly you went back up the trail uh a goodly distance and left my backpack yeah because we had a plan the plan yeah. was if the if the bushmaster went into the forest that I would know where you went into the forest and you'd yeah, follow it. And I would follow it. And uh, so I left my backpack where we had last been. And uh, so, and it was now about, it had moved a little bit. It was about 10 feet off the trail. Yeah. And um, and we got it coiled again. 
and um you came back with the crew i came back with the crew and travis came with us oh right? yeah travis cassette sorry yep sorry and travis. uh and we uh, that was great we had a great crew there and we safely wrangled it uh and, and bagged it, it and bagged it and got it back up for some great pictures so. yeah it was an amazing experience it was it was i mean like i said I, i'll remember every minute of that trip uh and that exact moment it's just embedded in my brain yeah yeah and close my eyes and see that snake yes yeah yep and so, you know, I thought, wow, you know, I've I done it. I've seen the elephant, you know, I've seen the biggest pit viper in the world. Yeah. And I thought, okay, it's done. And then uh, the following year, I, I led a small trip in June. And uh, we came up not far from there, walking along a trail. And I happened to look over. And of course, I'm looking for them again, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'll never see another one of those. And there is another. And I said, you know, I used the holy shnikes phrase again. There's another Bushmaster. I couldn't believe it. It was uh, a, a little smaller than the one you and I found. I think ours was close to seven feet, maybe. About seven feet. Yeah, yeah. this one was about six feet. And uh, so I, um, I'm like, okay, uh, how about that? So uh, that snake was safely put into a bucket. Uh, uh, our friend Terry Johnson had the honor of uh, hooking that beast into a, a, a big bucket with a lid and we brought it back for photographs and so then from there on what happens <laughs> well we've been we've become pretty efficient at finding them and uh, since that uh, that one in January of 2013 including the trip that I'm currently on uh, I've now seen eight wild bushmasters so uh we're doing pretty good yeah. we're, we're getting pretty efficient at finding them it's funny because the first first 10 trips i came to peru or so uh maybe maybe eight or nine no bushmasters and now we're getting them almost every time so we've really refined how we find them and um we're getting pretty efficient at it so it's kind of hard to, to explain but we kind of get a feel for where they like to be and where they like to they like to come out at night and uh, out of wherever they're hiding during the day, they come out and then they look for a game trail or an open space. Uh, maybe they're much like rattlesnakes. They're probably using logs to intercept rodents and things like that. And one of the things they do is they come out next to a trail. You know, we use the trails, but so do a lot of other animals. You Correct. Know. And and I've definitely noticed they sit trail side. So uh, you mean you just they sit in the foliage on the direct side of the trail. And I mean, you think with such a large snake that it'd be really easy to see but these things blend in they're the same color as the leaves and really unless you look right at it they're tough to see so yes yes uh, and how many have we walked by who knows who knows <laughs> too many too yeah. many but uh you know the ones i've yeah. seen are very very special and even more special because i you know i've spent so much of my life in habitat of lechesis and to finally get that one in 2013 was just a special moment yeah uh, it was i i had counted at that point i'd done over 20 trips to their habitat over Central and South America, Lachesis Liss, and uh, to finally get one was a defining moment in my life. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, and so now we're getting really crafty. Uh, we should talk a little bit about, you know, uh, what happens when we find one. I'm, you know, this isn't really a commercial for, for what we do. We really don't need to run commercials because we were quite successful with filling up our passenger list so that's not our purpose here is to drum up business we have we have no need to drum up business uh, of course we're serving as you know herp guides for a nonprofit organization so there's no money in it for us it's just 
chills and thrills, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So, but, but our clients come down and they paying some money to, to get the Amazon experience. And so the uh, Bushmaster is a uh, part of it. And that's, I think it's a big draw for our trip now because we've been so reliable. You've got eight and I've seen seven now. Typically we bring these animals back to camp so that other people can share in the experience. And so I, I know some people could probably be a little upset about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of what we do and describe a little bit about how we do that and how do we ensure that not only is our client safe, but the animal is well treated, you know, not overly stressed. So. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I agree. It's very, the animal's welfare is very important to me. I mean, I love these animals. I don't want anything to happen to the animals. So we do our best to minimize the stress on, on the animal. And, uh, so when they are collected, they're collected in a, in a bag. Yes, they are moved, uh, and brought up to our camp. And then in the, the next morning we will do a photo shoot with them, which we try to keep it organized and, and to, to minimize the stress on the snake. And Mike, uh, you and I are usually the ones in charge of these and we set the snake up in an area where it feels comfortable, get it set up. And then people come in and, uh, you know, one by one, get, get some good photos of the, of the snake. If it seems too stressed, we'll, we'll slow it down, move it, stop it, and then bag the snake up and then do our best to release it at the exact time and the exact point when it was found. So, so if it was found at night, we try to drop it off at night, at the next night at the exact same spot right. that it was found. Right. It's, it's sort of a, the alien abduction technique, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so. Uh, hopefully it minimizes the stress. I mean, it, it definitely, there is some stress for the animal. I realize that, but uh, we do our best to minimize it. And it is important for, to get this thing back into its normal routine again. So Right. And so far among all of, and, and I, sh we should mention too, that we've never caught the same one twice. Never. Nope. So Everyone's we are different. sitting in Bushmaster land. Yes. There's and a lot of them. And, and in fact, the one that we found, uh, this trip was, uh, about a five minute walk from where we're, where we're sitting right now. Yes. So. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So far we really haven't had to deal with a gravid female. And of course, the Bushmaster lays eggs. It's you know the only New World Viper that does so. You know, it's sort of those things. If we see or find a obviously egg laden female, we're not going to touch it. It's hands off. Yeah, we're going to leave it where it's at. It's hands off. We'll we'll leave it alone. You know, whoever's there, if it's if it's sitting, can can get some in situ pictures. Come get other people to get some in situ pictures. But the snake is is left alone. Yeah. And right, rightfully so. Correct. Yeah, so, it, that's uh, yeah. that would trump anything that we do f with it. So. Yes, that's just part of the game, right? You yep. know, you, you win some, you lose some. So definitely, yeah, yeah. we're not really the bring them back alive types. Yeah, you know? we do have our you know our clients come down here to to see the animals, so we we do our best to accommodate them. Yeah, there's usually people come. In fact, I was talking uh, with Pat Kane out on the trail last night, and he gave us uh, his top five list of what he wanted to see down here, and I think we got three of the five. Yeah, so, and the Bushmaster uh, was one of them. The Bushmaster was one of them. So uh, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty exciting to to be able to come down and see some really, really incredible Amazon wildlife. Yeah, most of the ones we find are two meters, two meters plus. Yeah, six, seven feet. The uh, largest I saw was eight feet, and it was uh, fairly skinny for eight feet. And uh, the smallest I've seen was. Uh, last year yeah. with Bob Ferguson, yeah. and that one was uh, maybe four feet. Uh, it was a small, three and a half to four feet. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe a little shorter than, maybe a little smaller than that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going by memory, but yeah. the smallest one I've seen by far. So we should tell that story a little bit. We had, uh, you were out with a small group. 
I was out hiking with uh, my friend Christoph, uh, who's from Iquitos, as well as uh, Kevin Caldwell from Hong Kong. Oh, another friend of the show. Another friend of the show. Yeah. So I was hiking and did uh, did a loop trail here, and uh, while uh, while hiking, I looked to the right of the trail in the stream bed, and about twenty feet off the trail, there is a seven foot uh, bushmaster drinking from a stream. Uh, so we go and deal with that and we're pretty excited about that. And it, again, it's a, it's a bonding moment. So, uh, Christoph and Kevin and I always have that moment. In fact, every time I see Christoph, it's, that's what I remember. Uh, we got back, we safely bagged it, brought it back. Um, the bag goes in a bucket. Bag goes in a bucket Ooh, for shooting yeah. the next morning. Yeah. yeah. Just like we, we described earlier and, uh, Bob Ferguson, it was his third day in the jungle, and and this dude has so much energy. If you know Bob, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, he overdid it a little bit, got a little overheated, and uh, slept uh, through dinner and slept through the, the initial uh, night hiking that night. And he woke up about the time people were coming in, and he saw the big bag of snake that I brought in, and, uh, and he goes, I'm going to go find one. I'm going to go find one. And uh, he wasn't out the door. Godspeed. For, yeah. So, he, God so speed, old, old burned out Bob was back. <laughs> and uh, so here we, here we go. And he has all this energy and he goes out in the forest and he comes uh, back. He was by himself. Yeah. And, uh, and so Bob's out in the forest and we are back in the kitchen and the kitchen dining room. And we are having our celebratory after Bushmaster beer. Yes. Right? And the beers down here are very large. And so we're all sitting around enjoying uh, the moment that that happened yeah relatively right into the beer so the beer yeah. was still uh mostly full bob comes running back i found a bushmaster <laughs> and he it was a little louder than that but yeah. um and uh, yeah he sort of burst in the door kind of like jack nicholson and the shining it, you know it, it, i've got a bushmaster it was uh, yeah. pretty it was he was yeah. very excited yeah so we all went and um and Everybody got NC2 pictures and uh, just another yeah. incredible moment. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bob's the Bushmaster, I believe, is on the cover of his Amazon calendar. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you can see that snake. Yeah. And Bob does great work with the, the calendar thing. All, all the money from his calendars goes to buy rainforest Rain, land. Exactly. Yeah. And so, how cool is that? Yeah. So, you know, and that's another way that, you know, I feel like we've helped. So, because yeah. uh, these calendars and he, I mean, he makes a, a, a chunk of change. Yeah. He so, does really good work for that. So, yep. and well, he's a great photographer too. He is. He so, is. So, uh, by his calendar. And we were all happy that it's one thing to say, "I shall now go out into the jungle and find my own," and it's another thing to do it. So, yeah, so, exactly. So, and and he wasn't gone ten minutes. It well was done, Bob. pretty excited. Yeah, pretty exciting. So that was um, a two bushmaster trip. And was, we've had a couple two bushmaster trips. Yes, so. I I've had two double ups. Uh, yeah. So two trips that had two bushmasters. So. Yeah. And and again, you're out. You're not out alone. It's with other people. And so uh, you know, the small group of people in uh, in what we call Team Shushupe. Shushupe is the local term for Bushmaster. Yep. Team Shushupe, the club just keeps growing incrementally as as you know people get theirs. It is. It is. And uh, so yeah, it's kind of that's what we've been calling it is Team Shushupe. So yeah. if you're on one of our tours and we get a Shushupe, you're a member. So uh, working <laughs> yeah. on a T-shirt too. Yeah. You know, there's so much to, to be said about these things, trying to figure out, you know, their biology is, is somewhat understood, but in many other aspects, it's not very well understood. Trying it to is. figure out what, the, what they're all about and how they move around and 
it's been kind of interesting because that's what we think about, right? And we, we start thinking about uh, recording the details. What was the ground like? What was the vegetation like? Filling in the story of habitat preference for these animals. So. And the weather. And the weather. Yeah, wow. what what makes them move? Because you, you walk these forests, I mean, it's funny because you just don't see them. You don't see them. You don't see them. And then, and then all of a sudden you'll have a magical night where they're, they're up. And so we take all of that, look at the habitat they're in, figure out where they're, where they're staying, figure out what weather they move in. And again, it's just helped us, help us refine. I mean, when you're down here, you're going to go night hiking no matter what, whether the weather's good or bad, but. Yes. Uh, like last night. Yeah, and we were all in ponchos and it, we got rained on, but it, it felt, I mean, there's thunderstorms all around, but you know, it was a great night. So, yeah. And this particular Bushmaster, this trip was found during the day. I think this is our first daytime Bushmaster. It, it is first so. daytime Bushmaster, but it's not all un, unheard of. Uh, they spend a lot of time in the daytime. Uh, first one I've seen in the day. Yeah. Which was pretty cool too. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. And so, um, you're, you're not getting tired of them. No, no, they're, they're, it's, it's, they're amazing snakes. Uh, just the whole biology, their biology and where they fit into the new world pit vipers is, uh, is very interesting. They have so many traits that are just them, the, you know, the egg laying being so large, the scales, the, the scalation on them is just incredible. The red eyes. I mean, you just, these things are incredible. They're incredible piece of wildlife how about the at. the neck inflation too the, yes oh yeah kind of cool. yep yep just and like some of the like spilotes and uh, very similar yeah. in the way they puff up their necks so pretty incredible just they're just incredible snakes i never get tired of seeing them it's funny too that they're in terms of handling these things we can't you know you can't really and we, we're not big tong people we don't run around grabbing things up with tongs because tongs can be you know overused and and animals can be you know ribs can be broken and so we're very careful with that, but that that's a snake that does not, because of its triangular body cross section, it just it's not a snake you can put a pair of tongs on and and move safely or, or grab. It's if you got a short trip into a bucket or something, it's not so bad. But um, they're very strong, um, and they do. I you know again, I never want to hurt the thing with tongs, and so I'm very gentle with my my uh, gentle giant tongs and in picking them up and which means they're pulling through the tongs as you're so it's it's just a little bit of a of a of a tug and go because I don't want to pull too hard and they want to get out of there so between right. the two the snake is constantly pulling through the tongs the tongs are really to slow it down until you can get control of it to to hopefully use hooks to to get it where yeah. you need it to go occasionally we have to uh, use the hook and tail technique which I never use on any other kind of serpent, period. This is the only serpent that I've ever really used. And it's a little scary, but it's sometimes the best way to, to safely handle the animal. Yeah, if and you can get control. The ta- uh, of course, the tails look, the scalature of those things is like a Gila monster's beads almost. Mm-hmm. They, you can get a good grip on the tail. Large granular scales. Yeah. Uh, so ch- check out the, actually one of the best photos that shows that is Bob Ferguson's photo. So yeah, uh, again, plug Bob, but <laughs> they have these the, uh, granular scales that, that are really fun to just feel what it, what it feels like. Cause uh, yeah. they, and, and again, like you said, they're easy to grip. Yeah. And so when we pose them for photographs occasionally, we have to do that occasionally to, to get the snake positioned safely and safety is a key 
thing because if, if you get bit by one of those guys, you may not go home. And we don't yeah. want it to happen to us or anyone else. Yeah. So. I mean, that's not, we can't let it happen. So we yeah. need to, you know, the, the safety of the humans and the, the snake is the top priority. Mm-hmm. And if we can't do it safely, it's not going to happen. So we will, we'll stop it or not even do it. So, yeah. I don't know what else to say about Bushmasters. No, though. they're just an incredible species. I hope everybody gets a chance to see one in the wild someday. And uh, we're here. Yeah. I'd like to see the, the one in Central America. I've tried. They're tough. They're, uh, they're harder than this one. They're probably. harder than this one. Yeah. I've seen one the day after it got captured, and uh, I actually got to let it go. So that was kind of oh, fun. Oh, cool. That was kind of fun. But that cool. was uh, 20 years ago. So I have pictures of one, but I, I didn't find it. You know, you've done a lot of harping around the world for many years. So how does this stack up still after, you know, this is sort of the regular gig every January. I know I'm going to see you every January. Yeah. And how does this stack up for you comparative to uh, what else places you've gone and stuff? Peru an adventure. Coming, or coming to the Peruvian Amazon, is it's an adventure. It's uh, different than going elsewhere. And people think they come to the jungle and snakes are everywhere. You really have to, to search here. Uh, there's places that are much easier to find large numbers of snakes if you want to. Uh, that's If you want to see large numbers of snakes, this probably isn't your trip. But if you spend time in the trails, you you will get rewarded. You'll find some, some great stuff. But it's not like they're just everywhere laying. Right. You have to really work for, for yeah. reptiles here. But you see a lot of frogs. You see a lot of lizards. You see uh, all sorts of other wildlife and birds. And, you know, this trip we've seen river dolphins a few times. And, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you always see other stuff. Monkeys and sloths. Monkeys and sloths. Uh, but this trip is just different. Yeah, there's no right. I mean, we... we take you everywhere via boats and hiking and uh you have uh, a little tank we call them tambos a little hut and you get some mosquito netting so you can sleep in you can go hiking whenever you want yeah but uh it's 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 a little different than going to costa rica and staying in an eco lodge uh, i mean we travel with a peruvian chef it's just you're in the middle of nowhere so yes. you are you're off the power grid yes and uh so you know you need to be prepared for that yeah, and and uh, it, I think people enjoy it. They may be shocked the first day or two, but other than that, they really enjoy it. They they settle into a routine. You know? Yeah, the first day, uh, especially when your body is coming from the United States uh, in January, where most of uh, most of it is very cold, and then all of a sudden you're in eighty eight degree uh, tropical heat. Your body kind of freaks out, but uh, after a day or two, it settles down yeah. and, and it figures out that oh. Summer came quickly. Something is going on. And uh, yeah. and then uh, here we are. So Yeah. In terms of uh, South America, you've traveled to other countries in South America or what? Oh, yeah. 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 I've been to Venezuela, Colombia, uh, Ecuador. Uh, yeah. We went to Ecuador before this e- trip. So. Ecuador straight from here. And, uh, and then uh, obviously Peru, all over Peru. Yeah. So what's, what's next in South America? Do you have a... Another goal, another target. You know, uh, there's lots of things I want to see. Uh, to see, a, um, one of my goals in life is to see a wild jaguar. I have never seen one. Uh, I'm knocking off these goals one by one, and uh, there are some areas in Brazil where you can fairly, fairly reliably see a jaguar. And uh, so that's it's on my radar. On your radar. On my radar. And of course, 
when you have large impressive goals the bycatch can be awesome yes that's exactly right <laughs> that's exactly right but uh i have lots of things on the on the on the radar that i want to do and this trip is just old reliable so much fun i, I enjoy it so much and and i think both i can speak for both of us in that a lot of friends come down here that people we know and we enjoy blowing their hair back yeah uh with uh, all the cool stuff that that they find and yep. uh and again, this is not a commercial, really, but but it's you know it's just what we do, and it's part of part of our lives, really. Yep. So. Many many of my uh, best friends in life have have come down here with me, uh, and you really have those bonding moments, and uh, yes. it's a lot of fun. And we meet new people, and we become friends mm-hmm. with them too. Uh, so. I've met some people on these tours that I am that's, currently. That's friends where with. we met, right? Yep. That's yep. the first time that's we met. Exactly. Was on this, on that's this where tour, I met so. you, Mike. I so. knew all about you. I'd, and I'd be like, uh, oh, yeah, Matt Cage was here yesterday or whatever. I just like missed you like a couple of times on, on very, various places in the country. You know? Yeah. The internet has made it easier to find people, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. Now I've really enjoyed the time that we've spent together down here. Yeah. It's been incredible. Um, you know, and, uh, with you come, you can't, you were a client the first time you came with me and, uh, we had a great time and, and now uh, we're sort of partners in this yeah. deal, so it's, yeah. good, it's good times. We may get rain. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So. Maybe not literally, but figuratively. <laughs> yep. So, well, thanks for coming on the show, Matt. It, you know, I really enjoyed it uh, again, Mike. It's been it's been such a pleasure, and uh, and uh, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. That's Matt Cage, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for episode three. I want to thank my guest, Matt Cage, for sitting down with me and talking Bushmasters. It was a real pleasure as always, Matt. And I can't wait till we sit down once more with our next post-Bushmaster beer. Incidentally, the squawky bird at the front of the episode is a roadside hawk, which likes to hang out at our field station. This bird perches outside my tambo at the butt crack of dawn and squawks me into consciousness, which I guess is not a bad problem to have. Just a couple things before I go. You can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at somuchpingle.com. And you can join the So Much Pingle Facebook group. You can also email me directly at somuchpingle at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>